Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back to the second hour of r 920 here. It's the morning tailgate. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, and you at 702-365-9200, Realty One Group listener line. As we're getting your thoughts on beyond Derek Carr, who needs to step up on this Raiders team in 2022? We will talk to Mike Pritchard. Pritch at 830 as well in this second hour as we looked at John Abram. We looked at Alex Leatherwood, but you know there's also something in the uh, in the running back room that you also want to see too. Who can step up out of that group? And I'm not exactly sure who the uh, uh, who is the like uh, the big circle. Like where do you find the production and who do you need to rely on? But it seems as though that Josh Jacobs, Brandon Bolden are going to take some of the uh, workload initially. If, if the season had to start down a couple of weeks from now, it would look like those two are going to have the lion's share of work. Yeah, unfortunately, the season uh, uh, doesn't start uh, in a couple seasons because there are some guys that are hurt right now, including Trayvon Mullen and Kenyon Drake's working his way back. Uh, we haven't seen Josh Jacobs really on the field yet, too, so uh, he's been working out uh, in the facility. But I think that when it all shakes out, I think the Raiders running back group is is darn good. You know, when you talk about Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden, Zemir White, uh, the, the rookie, I think there's enough bodies there to, to really get it done where it needs to get done. And I'm looking at this right now, and it's 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 really glaring is up front on the offensive line. John Simpson, a 52 grade by PFF last year. Andre James, a 64.2 uh, grade by PFF last year. Now, granted, he turned the corner uh, over the second half of the season and really improved. Alex Leatherwood was a 44.9. Brandon Parker was a 55.7. The Raiders had the 28th-ranked offensive line by Pro Football Focus. If that group gets it together, the backs are going to be fine. That's a good enough running back room to win a lot of football mm-hmm. games. It's a lot of versatility. Um, there's depth. There's um, all, all sorts of good things going on uh, with the running backs. They need the offensive line uh, to show up. And part of that's going to be Carmen Brasillo and the offensive system and Josh McDaniels, um, uh, you know, scheming it up to get these guys in a better position to succeed. Yeah, I like that you mentioned all the different variety of running backs just because I think that this is a team that if they want to deploy any kind of game plan that's run heavy on any given day, they have the tools to do it there with the people that they've brought on. And I don't know how it'll mix up depth chart-wise or buy down or we'll have to wait and see how kind of all of that unfolds during training camp. But I think that when you get Josh Jacobs back, I mean, they've said he's been doing work and, yeah, Mm-hmm. mandatory minicamp they said 100 attendance so they said he's there but we haven't seen him on the yeah, field he's there mm-hmm. i saw that he took pictures of Devonte's cleats yesterday which by the way <laughs> do you like gold is there Holy some gold smoke. you can see those things from the little if you were you know we we're kind of far away and yeah. you know if you're <laughs> you can see those things gleaming at you from the mountains like it's like just beautiful feet is watching them run because I, I was like mesmerized by them it was hard for me to get my camera off of it because I was just like drawn to them. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. So he was there. He posted that whole Instagram story on yeah, his own shoes. Yeah, I, I think that he'll be ready to go. Yeah, I he, just think like he'll be a, a 
solid workhorse for them again. Uh, and then mixing in the other guys and seeing what Zamir White has to bring to it. Zeus, finally official on the contract, by the yep, way. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, finally got signed yesterday. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at um, a way that it could go down, just look at the Patriots last year. Uh, Damian Harris uh, had 202 carries, 929 yards. Um, that's 4.6 yards per carry. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson uh, had, had 133 carries, 606 yards. Uh, that was 4.6 yards per carry. Brandon Bolden, who's now on the Raiders, uh, got 44 carries, 226 yards, uh, 5.1 yards per carry. So uh, there was a group that got it done uh, with the with the Patriots. They've shown that you know over the years, but it looks like primarily there were two guys, Harrison and Stevenson, as the top two guys. I would imagine it's going to be unless they make a trade or something like that with with a Kenyon Drake. Uh, but I would imagine it's going to be Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, uh, Brandon Bolden, and a mixture of uh, you know some Zamir White uh, in there as well as they get him acclimated because he's probably in the long range future here with the Raiders. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred is the number. Let's get out to the phones to the windswept Rocky Mountain layer of Colorado with Papa Meach. Good morning, Papa. CHV, good morning, you all. What's How are you guys What's doing? Happening? Good morning, Papa. good morning. Okay, first things first, Heidi and I, another hug, Heidi. Um, we we gotta we have to win Friday. There's just yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts. Gotta and who take controls one. the paint? You know? Sorry, what That's was that part? What, who controls the paint? Oh, who controls the paint, yeah. That's gonna yeah, be Yeah, I mean we're 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 giving them, you know, they're making we're Getting a stop, and then they're getting the the def- defensive rebounds. rebounds then, yeah, uh, I was screaming over a few of those. Or somebody get there! And you know the thing about Draymond Green, everybody can say they don't like him and stuff. You know, fans don't have to be yelling obscenities um, with uh, families and kids there at the Mm-mm. stadium. That was low class. But he said, "How did you play?" And he said he played like S. And he's honest about how he doesn't play too. Yeah. So you got to give him credit for. For you know, saying hey, I wasn't very good, and a lot of players won't do that. So that's yep. my deal on the Warriors. Got to win Friday. Secondly, um, who, which player that I think has to step up this year? I think uh, I'm really glad Clay. You played some clips of his interview. He sounds like he's on the right track, but it's it's Alex Leatherhood yep. one. Um, I think he's got to uh, be a dominant and, and play kind of the way we thought he'd be playing um, because of where he was taken, and then. On the Raiders, I just think as a collective offensively, we've got the tools, we got the parts, and um, I forgot which color Clay uh, did the expression of minus four, but we've got a <laughs> Fabian. Fabian, you know. yeah, good old Fabian. Oh, well, oh, he oh. was so so white. Probably the best uh, best thing that's ever been said on uh, the morning tailgate. And <laughs> we've got to when we get in that red zone this year, we've got to be. I don't know, Vinny, what you feel, but sixty percent or more. And, and score those points. And the last point I want to talk about is hair. We talked about hair. I got to tell you quickly my hair story. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, <laughs> I wore a hair piece. And oh, nice. uh, the hair piece in those days uh, it cost me $1,000. If you're going to do it, you better do it where it, it, nobody knows you've got a hair piece on. And, and in those old days, there was only one way of affixing it to your head, and it was a two-way tape. Later, I graduated to snaps, but that's a whole other story. So I had my two-way tape. I'm making my sales calls. I'm leaving a kind of a successful sales call um, at the Toyota dealership in town, and I'm going out the back door, and there's a windstorm, (laughs) and the back of my hairpiece flipped forward over my face. Wow. That was the time that I decided uh, I got to get the heck out of this thing, and so... I waited until Mama Meach um, went on a sales trip, 
And then I took the kids to church, and I didn't wear the hairpiece anymore. And so uh, I haven't had a hairpiece on, of course, the rest of my life. But uh, that's my hair story. I so, thought you were going to anyway. say you yeah. invested in pork chop stock. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You found it better. Play with a pork chop on his head. That's, that's kind of interesting, <laughs> too. So anyway, hey, love the show, guys. Uh, love having Vinny on board. I always listen to your show, Vinny, in the evenings, but now... I get the double pleasure of hearing all three of you. You guys are all three awesome. So keep up the good work, and we'll keep listening. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Well, appreciate Thank you, Papa. It. That's uh, awesome. By the way, he brought up a good uh, point with the red zone. The Raiders were 29th uh, in the NFL last year on touchdown percentage mm-hmm. uh, in the red zone at 49.23. Um, to put that in perspective, that was worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, at 51.28, uh, and just ahead of the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, the New York uh, uh, Giants, need I say anything more than that? If you're looking at um, potential improvement there, well, guess what? The New England Patriots were seventh last year in the red zone. 63.8% of the times that they went, that they got to the uh, red zone, they converted touchdowns. That was with a rookie quarterback, and, um, you know, I just named the running backs. Did you? Yeah, Ramondre Stevenson. Jump, jump out and, at yeah, you. JJ you know, uh, a pretty there. good, pretty mm-hmm. decent offensive line. Um Buffalo was number one, Tampa Bay, Seattle, San Francisco, the Chargers, Dallas, New England. Uh, Did I hear there are a lot of playoff teams that won games? Yes, without without a doubt. So, and I know that, you know, talking to Josh Jacobs, or excuse me, Josh McDaniels, uh, I think at the owners' meetings when we were down there, Heidi, um, he made it a point to talk about the red zone. And Mac Hollins, guys like Mac Hollins, players that he envisions, um, based on track record, helping them in that area of the field. It's critical that the Raiders score more touchdowns in the red zone. And if they can, and if they can get it up and above into that, wherever where the, where the Patriots were last year at 63.8, this is going to be an unbelievably good offense. I just have one thing to say. I don't want Daniel Carlson to be the leading scorer, and I don't want him to improve his game. I don't want to hear Daniel Carlson is leading points for the team. I know. So many short field goals for Carlson again in in 2021 and in 2020. But, you know, with Mick Lombardi now as the offensive coordinator, you noted in one of your stories uh, earlier this year, Vinny, that, you know, as a play caller for the Patriots in the red zone last year, they were seventh in the league in touchdown percentage at 63.8. You know, and last year uh, for the Raiders, you know, we were talking like under 50%. So it's just like a major upgrade just having Mick Lombardi there alone because he's already got the experience to go and punch it in the end zone. Well, Mick Lombardi uh, coordinated the red zone offense last year. Mm-hmm. So um, that was basically his his uh, area of emphasis uh, mm-hmm. as, what was he, the wide receiver coach last year? I forget exactly what, he, what right. role he played with New England, but part of his role was uh, coordinating the red zone, and they were pretty good, darn good in the red zone. Anytime you're top 10 in the NFL, uh, that's a really good place to be. So Mick Lombardi, now the offensive coordinator, working in conjunction with Josh McDaniels, um, you know, uh, you 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 that there's going to be improvement in that area, and it's been a bugaboo for the Raiders for a long time. I, I think they were 22nd the year before and 23rd the year before that. For whatever reason, when they get into the red zone, they just haven't been able to convert enough of those trips to touchdowns, and that's the difference between winning and losing football games. At 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line. What is minus four? 
Okay. Fabian knows. If you were in the red zone, <laughs> if you were in the red zone and you settle for a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown, you get three, but That's three right. take away from seven, it's a minus four. And it, and I'll tell you what, thing. you can have Should multiple it, minus fours in one game. Could it just be minus three, though, because it's the seven really guaranteed? It never is. No. No. It should just be minus three. But in Fabian's world, uh, there is only absolutes. It's either yes or no. More calls here, 702-365-9200. Jared in Las Vegas. Jared, it's been a while, man. Good morning to you. Morning. How's everybody doing today? Oh, All right. Very good. You? Thank you, man. Oh, I couldn't be better. Man, I, I, love, I love the new sh- show format, um, More Vinny, and the balance is amazing with Clay being the ringleader, and Heidi, you provide <laughs> so much. Um, it's, it's a great show. I, I love it, and um, you know, more Q in the, in the afternoon is, is always good in my book. Oh, but, thanks, um, Jared. Yeah, uh, real, I got a couple of things I wanted to, to to talk about. One is I I've been really high on red zone efficiency, so I agree, and it's good to see that Josh is um, putting an emphasis already on it. I mean, obviously he's talking about it in his media session, so it's a point. He's making a point for everybody to know that red zone efficiency is huge, and also third down efficiency. I think that we can be a better defense just by improving our third down efficiency because man it left a lot to be desired um as far as high scoring players uh quick question does anybody know who the last non-kicker was to lead the league in scoring so it was ladanian tomlinson in 2006 so what a year that was amazing yeah it's it's okay that dc um yeah 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 dc can lead the team but as long as we are efficient in the red zone, that would change Which up a DC? lot of things. Daniel Carlson uh, or Derek yeah, Carr? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. That, <laughs> kidding. That I'm goes, messing with that you. That goes double, just... right? It goes double. And I have one more point to make. I am a huge sneakerhead, and I heard you talking about um, <clears throat> Devontae Adams and his gold sneakers. And what I'm, my question is, um, did he earn a 99 rating in Madden? Because when Jordan mm-hmm. athletes earn a 99 rating in Madden, mm-hmm. he sends them special gold cleats. Yeah, so, he did. He did. He was, I think, the highest graded um, offensive player on Madden either last year or the year before. I, I recall that. But this year, I, I got to get in line for it and let you know. But <laughs> yeah, because yeah. um, I'm assuming that he... He continued that 99 grade, mm. and he's just a, a Madden 99er, mm-hmm. which we all know um, he's 100% in our book. Love the show. Love you guys, and uh, have a great day. Appreciate it, Jared. Thank you very much. You know, getting back to the red zone, I don't know if this is just how Josh McDaniel structures his practice, uh, but but the first thing that they do after they do their individuals when they bring the team back team together on 11 on 11, it's always in the red zone. That's where they start their 11 on 11 phase of their practices. So That's cool. really? I don't know if it's a point of emphasis um, or just how the, stru- the, the the structure of the practice plays out. Uh, but if it is a point of emphasis and he is saying this is where games are won and lost and we're going to start right here every day, uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, so so we'll see. And here's a here's one other uh, thing to, to keep in mind. You know, as the head coach now, he wants the defense to be good in those areas too. All right? So, you know, and, and I would imagine – Experiences with Sean McVay, there was a practice where he was just pissed off afterwards. You could tell his when you know this would start getting red. Oh, the, the veins were popping and it was, out. It was it was the, his literally his first training camp practice with the with the Rams, and we could see afterwards that he was this guy was pissed off at something, you know. 
And so I'm thinking, and the defense definitely won the day. That He's day. pissed at yeah. all these Jeff Fisher players that are on the team. He's like, what the hell? That's and, a seven and nine. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, he's not mad because the offense wasn't really good right there. You know, and so I ended up talking to somebody, and, and they're like, that's exactly what it was. And in fact, they had to go to the locker room afterwards and say, calm down, man. You know, because his yeah. offense lost to the defense that day. But they reminded him about the guys that were above him, like, you're the head coach. The defense here. They're also the head coach of the defense too. So the defense having success is good. Is a, is a good thing. And so he had to remind himself as an offensive minded head coach. I got to be happy about that as well. So I would imagine Josh McDaniels goes through that same thing when the defense is winning a day, and you need the defense to be good in the red zone, and they haven't been. They, they, they that's been an area of weakness as well. A tremendous weakness, last in the league, <laughs> right? In the exactly. Zone. So, so uh, you're, you're and you're seeing battles right now, even in minicamp uh, when they get over there, because there's pride and there's competition defensively, and the defense isn't going to. They don't care that Devonte Adams is out there and whoever else is out there. They're trying to do their own day the thing and win their own day. Um, and I would imagine Josh McDaniels is conflicted a little bit, you know, <laughs> thinking, all right, be. I need to score these touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as the head coach, I want my defense to be able to be relied on in that area, too. Uh, right. I love that, Heidi. What if they what if it was like you started seeing the defense starting to turn around and stopping a lot of the red zone stuff in this part of the year and perhaps even in training camp? Because Patrick Graham, even in 2020 with the moribund New York Giants, they were second in the league in the red zone and then ninth last year in 2021 and an even worse offense. So Patrick Graham was able to make a lot out of those defenses in the red. But what would you rather see? What would fans rather see? Would you like to see uh, the defense stopping guys in the red zone or do you need to see the offense scoring touchdowns in the red zone now? Both. <laughs> moribund, by the way, was a fantastic vocabulary choice. Did word. I say that? You said moribund and it was really Fascinating. Were you wow. like in a zone? I was. Too. Did you jump into the Milky Way black <laughs> hole for a second and forget you said it? Donnie I, Darko over here coming out. Oh, that's uh, weird. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, next time that's I use a great Q-tree. question. Right. And for me right now, I just want to see the offensive output with the weapons that you have, with the team that you have, with everybody that we've been talking up, the possibility of having multiple 1,000 yard receivers. Put it to the test. Get mm-hmm. more of these guys running some crazy non-vanilla routes like we saw last year on offense. Mix it up. Make it really, really just impossible to cover. We were talking about with Darren Waller this week. Who do you cover when Renfro, Waller, and Devontae Adams are all on the field. Who's going to be doubled in that case? Who's getting left open? That is going to be just the the chess game that Derek Carr is going to get out there to play is who do I find in the red zone when it comes down to being clutch? And the, the answer is any of those guys that I just named. 702-365-9200. Last phone call before we take a break. and We'll talk to Mike Pritchard on the other side and ask him the very same questions here on Rare Nation Radio. All the way to New Jersey, it's Mitch. Mitch, hey, it's been a while, dude. get through. Mitch, what's up, man? Hey, how? We, good morning, guys. Thanks for uh, somehow I got through. Maybe yeah. the government hit them or something. It's a lucky day for you, Mitch. What would you? What do you have to say? Who do you want to see step up in twenty twenty two? Um, our running backs. Okay, but I say if if uh, McDonald's wants to make his job easier, can they? Can we still get uh, OBJ and uh, Dominic Sue? I think Dominic Sue. He's a Hall of Famer. I think he still has it. The answer is no. Awesome. <laughs> no. That's no? Not ha- no. Okay, Vinny, I was going to ask you if you, is that because you're working two shifts now? 
Got me working, working day and night. You don't need Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> you don't need Odell Beckham Jr. I can't say that you don't need Indomitian or Dominican Sue, but um, you don't need Odell Beckham Jr. The, the, the Raiders are, are set at wide receiver. Okay, but Dominican Sue, I disagree with you big time with that. And one more thing, the Warriors, they got a rescuing. He's a Hall of Famer, but he's playing like a second round pick. They have a deep bench. I don't want to see Boston get number uh, 15 in terms of crowns. <laughs> Being from My New Jersey, guys. I think can, it would actually hear. be 18. Oh, that's good. Hey, I appreciate the call, Mitch. Good to hear from you again. All right, let's step aside. we got to take a break. I'm a little bit over. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk to Mike Pritchard, and we'll ask him about uh, not only who needs to step up in 2022, but at the same time, when we heard Derek Carr talk uh, about Devontae Adams and how they're looking at little details, and not everything is happening as quickly as they would like, but they're both learning the offense at the same time. We'll see what it was like for him when he worked with Hall of Famers Warren Moon and John Elway, all that and more. Next. Too legit. Too legit to quit. Oh, when you hear MC Hammer, too legit to quit. You can only think of one man, and it's Mike Pritchard, host of Bending Across America on VSIN, noon to one, Monday through Friday, <laughs> and the number 13 pick in the 91 draft. He's here with us. Good morning, Pritch. How are you, man? Doing great. How y'all doing? Yeah. Fantastic. Doing good, doing Thank good. you. Are you out in a golf course? Uh, no, no, I will be later though. <laughs> it just sounds like very nice. Outdoorsy. Look at look at Heidi. Heidi, you're like a uh, you can predict the future or something. I can. Did you What's know that, that called? E S Pritch. Okay. E S P. That's right. That's right. Hey, we're just on the uh, the cusp of uh, the mini camps ending for this week. Uh, you know, and we just got to ask you because we hear a comment from Derek Carr talking about how he's working with Devontae Adams. We know they have a good relationship personally, yeah. but it sounds like they're doing a lot of detailed work on learning the system itself and growing at the same time. What do you think is uh, like, what are the things you kind of work on with quarterback and receiver when you have a, an offense like this? Because you were locked in with John Elway the same way you were with Warren Moon with the Broncos and Seahawks, respectively. What kind of work gets done between quarterback and wide receiver during this phase of camp timing timing okay. timing 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 um you know the thing about d car and and Devontae adams which puts them ahead of a lot of other quarterback wide receiver duos is the comfort that they have with each other they know each other they play together in college and so just want body language right i mean d car is gonna and it doesn't matter the route it doesn't matter the play that's called just leverage uh from a defender or coverage I mean, Dekar is always going to be armed with the knowledge that I know what that guy can do. Uh, and so that is that puts you ahead of the curve. So now if you work on timing within the system, uh, you know, rhythm of the offense, like if I'm hitting my back foot and I got to get rid of the football, OK, can I get rid of it then? Do I have to take a hitch? Uh, do I have to slide? You know, all this other stuff. Uh, when you're working on that right now. Uh, that gives you a, a great head start for the beginning of the season. So uh, timing, 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 timing. Uh, the comfort is going to be there. Uh, the body language, all that information for D-Car is going to be there. So uh, if they can get the timing down, watch out National Football League. I, I think that could be fantastic this year. Meanwhile, Mike Pritchard, up front, there's hey, a the, – Hey, how you doing, Mike? <laughs> What's up? I'm, I'm doing good, thank you. Uh, me Up front. Uh, there's also a bunch of guys that are trying to get their night timing down, their chemistry down, uh, cohesion down. We're talking about the offensive line. And I want to specifically go to Alex Leatherwood. A uh, lot on his plate last year as a rookie, uh, coming in as a 17th pick overall, starting at right tackle, making the switch to right guard. I'm sure his head was spinning and the world was moving uh, really, really fast for him. 
Um, he goes into year two. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of pressure on him. And I want to take you back to going from your first year to, the, to your second year. What was the biggest difference that you found or that you remembered when you got back in the building going into your second year as opposed to your rookie year? Oh, man, the biggest difference um, for me, you know, because my rookie year was different than Alex. I mean, I was all rookie up for rookie of the year and all that, but um, we went to the playoffs. You know, for me, it was more of how do I get to that Pro Bowl level, Vinny? How do I do that? You know, how do I unlock that information? So uh, I was seeking it out from all the greats uh, at the time and uh, on, on the field and, and certainly in the locker room, just information, any information I could get from anywhere. I was trying to do that uh, and then work on watching tape differently. Like, you know, you could watch tape and uh, think that you're studying, but you're really not when when you find other ways to discover what else, what else is happening on the field. So for Alex Leatherwood, I, I think a lot of it is discovery. Um, you know, last year, I, I think the Raiders expected a lot for a guy who won the Outland Trophy on the left side of the out- offensive line. Uh, and then they move him to the right side I don't care who you are. Uh, I've talked to Hall of Fame offensive linemen. That is hard. That is hard to do to play on the left side and then switch to the right side, especially coming from college. So I I think a year under his belt, I I give him praise and credit for the fact that he was there for each and every game. I I love his passion for it. Uh, Just working on his technique. You know, I I think the knowledge that he can obtain – and absorb and and certainly be a sponge out there, I think that would help Alex Leatherwood for sure. Something else that we've been discussing here this morning is, and hi, sorry. <laughs> was, What's up? Yeah, <laughs> uh, was the fact that a lot of the time, some of the outside, outside noise can affect a player's mental state of mind yeah. once they're on the field. And you have Twitter now and all the Instagram things and everything that happens out there. How... How important is it to either A, block that stuff out when you're putting your nose to the grindstone or B, to use it as fuel, but hopefully the correctly guided fuel and not just like Maverick going 10 G's. <laughs> or or yes. or the or the water boy and tackling fuel, huh? Yes, <laughs> I mean, yes, high quality hey, fuel. You know what? I Some guys used it, uh, used it. I mean, this is fascinating because – there's a fine line between for a professional athlete. There's a fine line between confidence and insecurity. Mm-hmm. I mean, a fine line. Like if I'm out there messing up, you know, if I'm dropping a ball or, or doing something wrong, then I mean, I'm insecure. I don't, I, I don't think I can play this game. I have no confidence. But if I'm out there lighting it up, I'm like, I'm invincible. Nobody can stop me. So I, I think for Alex Leatherwood. Uh, and any athlete really uh, d- during this time with social media and, and all the criticism that's out there, you, you can channel, channel it if, if you know how to use it, uh, motiv- help it motivate you. The, the greatest player, the greatest quarterback, I'll say this, the greatest quarterback to play this game, Tom Brady, he finds ways to motivate himself because of that aspect, Heidi and, and Vinny, Vinny and Clay. It's, it's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do this. You don't think I can do that? Okay, I'm going to show you. Uh, And there's a lot of athletes uh, that do that. Jerry Rice played with fear, fear of not being the best ever and and certainly fear of of getting old at some point. And I mean, everybody finds some way to utilize criticism 
uh, to their advantage. And it's going to happen. I mean, Pro Football Focus for you know you people look they are they are in place because for every yin you need a yang, for every zig you need a zag. I mean, Pro Football Focus I don't think would be as popular if they would praise every single athlete for yeah. every great thing that they did, but because they criticize or or any outlet really for that matter, then then certainly that that's part of what they do. And so as an athlete, you just have to understand understand that uh, you got to get through it. Uh, and, and more importantly, try to use it to your advantage if you can. It's Mike Pritchard here with us on Raider Nation Radio. When you think about Devontae Adams, do you feel that his motivation could be one not only to win a title because we're all chasing something, but do you think in the back uh, it's time to prove he can succeed without Aaron Rodgers? You know, that's interesting. Um, because when you play with a great quarterback like that, Clay, it's like, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Life's good. I, yeah, I can, I, yeah, I can succeed without him, but man, it was so great to have a quarterback like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, if anything, if anything, it's the comfort of playing with D car again. It's, it's the fact that they want to play together on the field. They're great friends and uh, they want to win a championship together. I mean, those days with Aaron Rodgers are gone, you know, those aren't coming back and, and, I think Devontae Adams has established himself as the best receiver in the league. Uh, but now can he turn himself into a Super Bowl champion? You know, so you got it's, the, it's about that front windshield for me, man. It always is. Aaron Rodgers is in the rear view. As great as he is, you know, my front windshield right now is with the Las Vegas Raiders in D car. Mm. And to that point, Mike Pritchard, uh, how how difficult or easy looking at it from the quarterback's perspective when he has a Devonte Adams and Darren Waller and you know uh, Hunter Renfro and everyone else that uh, that he has around him now? How he easy or or difficult is it to um, tap into all of that talent and find the balance also uh, between sharing the ball? Um, yeah. I'm kind of interested to see how that's all going to play out. Well, the dynamic has to be there, you know, Vinny, like. Um playing with Andre Risen and Michael Haynes and, you know, three wide receivers, we were able to share the ball. You know, I was catching almost 80 balls a year, even though Andre was going to uh, the Pro Bowl, right, um, as the number one guy. Uh, so as a number three guy, I was, you know, when you're catching that many passes, there's there's more than enough passes. I mean, you think about a quarterback and what they attempt close to 400 attempts, passing attempts a year, perhaps, right. if you can get that high, 300, yeah, wherever it is. I mean, there's plenty of balls. The, the thing is, is the dynamic and, and you know, the lack of being – don't be selfish out there. Devontae Adams does not come across as a selfish guy. Yep. I got to get the ball 10 times a game, that kind of thing. and Because uh, they're going to open each other up. Uh, the, uh, Hunter Renfro is going to help open up Devontae and Devontae and Darren was, is going to help open up Hunter Renfro and uh, Hunter and, and Devontae Adams are going to help open up Darren Waller and, and the running backs too. So if it's working like that, that means the Raiders are double-digit wins and going to the playoffs. And so that's, I think, what everybody wants. I mean, you think about the playoffs and we're talking here about like uh, the red zone as well a lot today oh, and man. how yeah. you try to convert that. I mean, do you see the can you picture what a Josh McDaniels offense looks like with this Raiders team and how they can get that efficiency number up? Where does it start when you look at the problematic area that it has been for the Raiders, the red zone? I think, Heidi, the talent level of a play caller is important. It, it really is. Um, you can go back to John Gruden as a play caller, but look, it was below average in the red zone. 
Uh, Olsen was below average in the red zone. But when you think about McDaniels and, and what he can do from a play calling standpoint, uh, if you're above average in a red zone, you're going to win a lot more games. And from an execution standpoint, but on top of that, just just understanding matchups uh, and from a play calling standpoint, um, I, I, I think with six Super Bowl rings and uh, and coaching as long as he has from an offensive standpoint, and knowing and understanding what each and every player can do on the field for you offensively, that's going to empower you as a play caller. That's going to make your job easier, right? I mean, how yeah. difficult can it be? Seriously, how difficult can it be to call plays in the red zone <laughs> when you have Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, and Hunter Renfro? Ridiculous. I, it, that, that should be an easy, <laughs> an easy proposition for you as a play caller. So uh, I, I hope that happens. I hope they don't fight it. They don't try to reinvent the wheel. Uh, just understand you have some of the most talented playmakers in the National Football League on your offense. Get it done. That's that's it. You know, don't don't overcomplicate it. Don't don't try to come up with this new strategy. Yeah. Right? Don't be boy yeah. genius over there on the sideline. Just man, hey, look, Cooper Cup's getting open. Throw him the ball in the Super Bowl, we'll win. Right? I mean, it's that simple sometimes. And and I hope the Raiders do make it that simple. Mike, uh, you you mentioned the red zone. We're talking about the red zone, and I just wanted to ask you, as a former NFL player, uh, in, in these mini camps so far, when as soon as the Raiders finish up on their individual uh, positional groups, uh, they get together on eleven on eleven in the red zone. That's where they basically start their eleven on eleven work. Am I reading nice. too much into that to say that they're where they position that in their pra- on their practice schedule is makes that a point of emphasis? Oh, no, you're not reading too much at all. I mean, it is a point of emphasis. Um, uh, you know, in the National Football League today, it's the easiest time I think it's ever been to move the ball between the 20s. Where it's tough and where it's more difficult and where teams are focusing in on is is red zone defense. And uh, look, it's, it's going to be hard to stop offenses in today's NFL with the rules and, and the firepower and the quarterbacks that we see, especially uh, in the AFC. How are you going to stop each and every offense in, in between the 20s. But if we can uh, stop them in the red zone and force them to kick field goals, then now we got a chance. And, and you know, the Raiders played into that, right? The last couple of years, they settled for field goals. I mean, it was like a decision on third down. Yeah, we're going for <laughs> yeah. a field goal on fourth down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was frustrating, uh-huh. man. But, no, the, the sense of urgency, I can appreciate that. Uh, and, and certainly the fellows out there can appreciate the fact that Man, if we're highly efficient in the red zone, we're going to win a lot of games. Think about the Denver Broncos. They were they were last in the in the division last year, but they still only gave up as a defense 19 points a game. It's just their offense was horrible. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're that good in the red zone, you have a chance. And, and so, uh, I think if you're looking at other teams within the division from the Raiders' perspective, they they have to. Uh, be better uh, in the red zone, Vinny, and therefore the, the sense of urgency needs to be created that way. If you're Josh McDaniels, though, do you want to see your defense succeed there too in those segments? Even though you're an offensive-minded head coach and you want to maximize those opportunities, don't you need also need to see the defense make some stops down there as well? Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely. I mean, conversely, for the Raiders, you know, we we all thought that they took. Uh, a leap forward because of Gus Bradley, you know, but, you know, from points allowed standpoint, you're still 30th. I mean, actually not 30th. How, what were they ranked, Vinny? I can't remember offhand. Uh, in the high 20s, though, like 26 yeah, I think or something it was 26. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were bad. So, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, and they still yet, they still made the playoffs. I mean, think about that. 
uh, a marginal improvement, not a improvement, like a, a, a minor improvement from the previous year to to last year, and yet the Raiders still made the playoffs. So if they can if they can increase the production on, on the field defensively, meaning stopping teams from scoring touchdowns, uh, and if that's in a red zone, then so be it. Again, between the 20s, the stats, the yards, and all that, that's going to rack up. But if you can uh, hunker down and use back in the end zone, have that extra defender, uh, and really get after an offense in the red zone, that's really going to help you. It's Mike Pritchard, the host of Betting Across America on VEASAN, number 13th pick in the 91 draft. All right, uh, can, you, can you pull Heidi off the ledge? Uh, she's a Warriors <laughs> fan. You saw what went down. Fortunes are being won Man. and lost. All right, well, are Warriors the Warriors, six. Yeah, are the Warriors a good bounce-back team for mm. Game 4? Yes, sir. I mean, no. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, as all the as all the talking the Warriors were doing, Draymond, mm. and then you don't show up uh, on the road like that. I mean, I don't know. Steph Curry's got this foot thing. Oof. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're complaining. They're uncomfortable about the crowd in it's Boston now. I mean, who's got all the experience, Heidi? Don't don't the Warriors? They're supposed to be able to handle yes, all this, can. right? They will. Yeah. They're gonna get through yeah. it. They're gonna get through no. it. Yeah, no, I think I think they'll bounce back. I mean, the Celtics are hard to beat two times in a row. That's why they're in the finals. Yeah, I'll tell you um, this too. I, I got excited though because you know, we started to see uh, you know Clay show up with 15 uh, points early on, and then <laughs> I was like, oh, this would be a good game. It was a good game yeah. for until yeah, but, it got to 18 away, and then they couldn't close the distance as much as I thought they could, and yeah, they were, you know, the, and then the it wasn't. Is, yep, Celtics got after them, you know, and that's. That's always the case when you're at home. Your energy level is going to be higher than a visiting team. So I, I expect Golden State to be able to kind of match and understand what the energy level is going to have to take. They're going to have to have in game four. And that typically was what happened. So, uh, but, but if Boston executes offensively like they did, that's going to be tough for Golden State. Oh, man, we love your work on VEASAN, betting across America from noon to one, Monday through Friday. And then thank you for making time for us today. It's good perspective coming out of a mini camp. Let's do it again in a couple weeks, see where we're at. Absolutely. Y'all have a blast, man. You got an ensemble going on over here to tailgate. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Grand Ole Opry and, 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 and a great studio to do it in, too. Right. Y'all have the Gorilla Glue ready. Right. The okay. Gorilla Glue. And I've knocked yeah. uh, Heidi's drink over twice now. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's okay. But partially it was already me before I, he even started. I, I, I was a clumsy one before I walked in the door today, Pritch. All right. Hey, well, y'all have a party. It's y'all awesome. Thank you, Pritch. All right. We appreciate y'all it. Am I Pritchard on Twitter? When you asked him that question about uh, about there's a fine line between confidence and insecurity when it comes to motivation and being motivated by criticism. Um, is, is that a sign of uh, maybe one guy like Alex Leatherwood is getting a little more mature than in somebody else who's played in the league like John Abram? I, I, you know, I, don't, I, I just think Jonathan Abram understa- understands the urgency. There's, there's no more talk. There's no more, you know, all of that. You got to go produce now. I mean, he's going into what is fourth year. This is, mm-hmm. this is his fifth year. No, his fourth year. Fourth. Um, he, you know, there's nothing. There's, he's, he's in no position to be talking or anything like that. He needs to go out there uh, and, and and play the game. Uh, 
And I think he has shown a level of maturity in that regard. Uh, to me, he's a world difference than he was in those first couple of years in terms of his demeanor and his bravado and, and all of that. Right, Heidi? Yeah. And I think what you've seen is the results on the field. It's improved. It's not where everybody wants him to be as a first rounder for this team in 2019. But it's still you want to be able to think about um how you can either a because your fifth option wasn't picked up right your fifth year option was not picked up by this team so either a, you need to perform to be able to get back on this team's roster or you need to make enough of a good resume tape to go somewhere else and continue right. to stay in the, the league future is at stake yeah so he like you said sense of urgency that's there for him and that's obvious you know I, what real quick i'm sorry mm -hmm. uh, the, the uh, pritch brought up a great point saying how Easier it is to, uh, to to manipulate the field between but the players. I was just going to get to that. Yeah, I like yeah, that part yeah, too. What do you think yeah. of that? Yeah. What, what was interesting about that is what what did Carmen Brasillo talk about when he said what is what are the traits that he wants from his offensive line? It was you know um, physicality, intelligence, and playing your best when your best is required. That is the red zone personified. Everything else that happens in between is just guys moving guys and yards and all gets to that point in the field, whether you're the offense or the defense, that's where you need to be your best at all times. And for whatever reason, the Raiders offense and defense has not played their best football in the red zone. And if they could ever get that fixed, and it sure looks like they've made that a priority, this team is going someplace. Yeah, I think part of it too, like Pritch did say, they were fine settling for field goals. I think I, I don't think look, they were fine. I was looking back. They just on, had to because they couldn't get it done. Well, the opportunity against Miami, let's take that for example, when they ran it three, four times running down the clock, running down the clock, and then they kicked oh, the field goal. A couple instead years of, ago? Yeah, instead well, of just letting Josh come in. Well, they knew that their defense Josh couldn't stop in. anybody. They should, but then they ended up losing the game. Yeah, exactly. They should have gone for the touchdown. A, I know it, what the idea mattered, was. Actually. I know what the idea <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the touchdown wouldn't have That mattered, was a different, that was, that, that was strategy. There was other times, though, where it happened. Where they're just, 99% of the time with the Raiders, it's been an to take advantage of that side of the field. That was strategy. They had a 99.9 .9 chance, 98.9 .9 chance of winning using that strategy. It was, it turned out to burn them on the butt because Arden Key with a stupid play and then leaving Matt yeah. Collins open. Um, it was just a disaster. But, but for that, a guy like John Gruden, though, at the beginning of the season of that 2020, he's like, we have to get better in the red zone. They he said didn't. It over and over again. So even even he seemed to be really you know, kind of like hesitant or reticent to not ever force the issue to really start to play, you know, that kind of uh, ball where you're going to dictate in the red zone. Because I think by that point in December, he realized he couldn't. Well, he, he definitely didn't have a defense that he could rely on. Yeah, I remember when I was talking about how I went through old, uh, like, just game logs. I was looking at game logs because I was actually looking at Colton Miller's rookie season and trying to see, like, I remember him being penalized. I remember him having bad misses and things like that. So I was kind of reading through some of the old game logs of his rookie season just to kind of get a grasp of where he was at and how much he's changed. And then in that process, I would see things like, you know, field goal when it was just before the half and there was like time for them to maybe if you know the game they were ahead if, if they i get the idea of course you're ahead you're going to take three but if it was fourth and short and they instead of going for that inches you oh, know or yeah. whatever it was that in game. that case and trying to keep the drive alive throughout the half and score six before going to locker room as opposed to three which later they'd lose the game in that particular right. one i can't remember the game but i was looking at it and i was like wow 
if they had just done a you know a fourth down conversion in that spot mm-hmm. and then gone for the touchdown, you would have lost anyway if you didn't have the three by the end of the score. So it was like, well, you know what what could you have done in that situation to have changed it, and would they have? Right. Yeah, and that, those are things that I, I thought about as I was looking through some game logs. Yeah, and and let's be honest, uh, it's not just playing your best in those moments; it's coaching your best too, calling your right plays, putting the sequence together. Uh, I just got a text from a good friend who's listening and also being able to run the damn ball got to when you have got to run the football be able to do it successfully those short yarded situations Heidi that you're talking about you know why they didn't go for it on fourth down they didn't have confidence that they could come up with the yard and that's when you're not being it when you're when your team's not able to execute in those situations that's going to affect how you call plays because you kind of know you know your team. Like, I don't, I'm not sure we're going to be able to get this yard. We haven't been able to get this yard all year. What Diddy's makes yelling. you think that we're going to be able to get it now? <laughs> Kick the damn field goal. Let's try to hope that we, the next time we're down there, it doesn't come down to that situation. Yeah. But when you look at the red zone uh, segments that the Raiders are having right now, they're being extremely physical in that run game. I got to figure, watching it, that that's something that they're going to try to build and create, and so that when they do get down there, they're going to be able to push people around and get that extra yard. Yeah, that short yardage situation really falls on the offensive line too, where they need to Damn get off straight. the ball. They yeah. have to execute and get off that ball faster. And uh, I will step aside, and we'll ask you on the other side as well. And get your thoughts at 702-365-9200 on the Realty One Group Listener Line with Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi, and Clay here on Raider Nation Radio. And before we take a break, we just got to say uh, we we get shout outs all the time on. on on, on uh, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187. A, uh, a family very, very proud of their young Raider graduating high school from the Futures Academy in San Francisco. Adrian Ortega, congratulations to you. You're here in the Congrats. Bay. Uh, graduating high school today. Ah, oh, the future is bright. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. Tat products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. 